A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 92, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Welcome, folks, and uh, it was a big weekend. Boy, boy, was it a big weekend. A lot of moving, a lot of shaking. Uh, be excused for thinking it was your parents in the 50s at the discotheque. Does that exist in the 50s, Pete, Professor? I think I've gone no, the 70s. No, no, the 70s, 70s. There we go. My generations are all kind of uh, a little messed up there, but... Professor, it was a big weekend. A lot of teams kind of put their stakes in the ground for uh, playoff hopes and contentions, and we will break it down in today's show with a little playoff outlook. But how was your weekend, buddy? What did you think of the games? Um, my weekend my weekend was great. It was a good, long weekend. Um, actually, uh, the weird thing that happened to me, Dan, is that um, a really, really good family friend um, heard daughter and, and her daughter's family lived 10 minutes away from boulder so someone who was from my village in england now lives 10 minutes away from me and we kind of knew that found out that during covid but just managed to connect when one of my one of my mum's best friends was in town so that that's what that's what we did over the weekend um the games you know I, i'll be honest um there was one game that really stood out as like a really really high quality game the others, I think, we're seeing a little bit of some injury um, injury issues. We're seeing some fatigue. I think uh, um, it's going to be uh, um, this this run in is going to be pretty pretty rough for the teams, especially with um, U.S. players and Canadian players leaving. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, it just wasn't wasn't as good as the quality that I think we've, we've been used to for Major League Rugby. Can't believe you lived in a village. Did you own the village, Lord Steinberg? I did not own the village. Okay. I did not own yeah. the village. One so, day yeah. we're gonna go. We're gonna go check out your village. I think that's pretty. Cool. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> All right, uh, American Airlines travel tip, folks. Uh, always, always have a backup for entertainment when you get on a flight. Don't. There's always electronic issues. So the uh, entertainment didn't work on a flight. I always keep a book in my bag, and I read. I started the book. When I took off from Denver, I had it halfway done by the time I landed and I finished it on the way back. I didn't even check the uh, entertainment on the way oh, back. Oh, so look at that. A, what was the book? Uh, Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Oh. Yeah. Little shout out. Yeah, I, little shout out. Uh, I got the, the history behind his famous line from Days and Confused. So the first line that he ever made in you know film, the, uh, oh, rad, oh, rad, oh, rad. And... The, history, the story behind how he came with that because it wasn't in the script. It's actually quite fascinating. Uh, it's an interesting book. It's one that I got through pretty quickly because I was drawn to it. And I'm not 
by my own admission, a big reader. So when I find a book that I like, I will sink the teeth in. So got it and, done in, in the space of about uh, six hours. So it's a good book. And, and Matthew McConaughey is a big rugby fan. He was at the Olympics down there in Rio. He I don't was know at the Olympics. Converted yep. yet, but he owns Austin FC, so which is the soccer team in Austin, the new uh, major league soccer team. So we're... I did go on the petition to get Joe Rogan involved with rugby. I may have picked the wrong target in Austin. I should have been coming after Matthew McConaughey. And then uh, a great ex- little extract from the book is when he got arrested in Austin for playing the bongos at three in the morning naked in his house. So uh, maybe him and Noxie can have a bongo competition on the sideline at the next Austin game, which would be unreal. Well, yeah, so um, Matthew actually hung out with the women's sevens team at the end of their tournament. I remember our last night um, in Rio, with the with Richie Walker and the team, and Matthew McConaughey was buying everyone drinks. Is the, he as uh, cool as he kind of appears? Because reading kind, his book, I'm just of, like, yeah, yeah. I love this guy. Yeah. yeah, no, he's kind of annoyingly cool. Yeah, like like one of those guys. Like you kind of want him to not be like cool. You kind of want him to be yeah. sort of like fame, and but he wasn't. He was actually he was actually like very down to earth, very cool. It was it was it was, it was pretty neat. I, I was I was the guy. Rich, Richie sent me down to tell the girls that they had to leave Matthew McConaughey to come to the team meeting. It was a rough one. Yeah, you got you listen, if you haven't read his book, go go read it. It's uh it, it's it gives you a lot of perspective on your own life and how you kind of look at things and do things. This is not book club. This is MLI kickoff though. So as much as I could sit here and talk to you about green lights uh, all day, our producer is giving me the green light to move on to rugby and the red light for Matthew McConaughey. So uh, as always, our banner brought to you by shopmlr.com powered by the rugby shop. Great supporters of the show and we went through the weekend with the military appreciation. So those jerseys, um, are they available online to buy now, Pete? I know they're doing the auction with the game worn ones, but do the, yep, are the yep, one offs yep, available? Yep, 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 they're up there on, on Salute the Troops. And also, Shop MLR has an inclusion collection right now for 2021. So, um, some pretty oh, cool right. designs for, for um, each of the teams. So, check that out. Yep, obviously, when we're recording, which is uh, on a Tuesday, is the start of uh, Pride Month. So, Good to see. I saw Austin already have done Pride Night, I think, for their home game this weekend. And a lot of teams will get behind that and goes to the uh, the inclusive nature that is rugby. And it's one of my uh, my favourite parts of the game is how inclusive it is. And no matter where you're from, who you are, what you do, you always can find a home in rugby. Um, so beautiful stuff. Beautiful stuff. I've got my, uh, my, 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 I'll get my Pride uh, tie on for the games. I'm actually going to take this weekend off, which will be nice. Got a little personal stuff I got to attend to, and then uh, yeah, I'll, I'll make sure I get it going for the next one. All right, let's talk about the weekend's games, Pete, because uh, like you said, there was some there was some dour games, but there were some games that had big effects on the standings. So let's start yep. things off with Toronto coming off the bye. The bye wins yet again. Toronto go down fourteen to twelve against New England at home. Uh, the Free Jacks undefeated at Union Point Stadium, which is uh, which is a great record for them there. They're making it a really tough place to go and win. What do you think of this one? Well, I think the conditions had a big impact, right? Um, wasn't uh, um, made it made it a little rough. This was a great, great defensive effort by both teams. So um, the Free Jacks had ninety two percent tackle completion, 
Toronto had 95. Oh. Three jacks had zero line breaks. Not sure I've seen that number before. Zero line breaks in the game. Um, they had slightly less possession. Um, Dan, your your turnover, uh, um, your your turnover score works again. Um, more turnovers. Yeah. Oh, um, actually, this one's really close. I'm sorry. It was 12 turnovers um, for New England and 10 for Toronto, but they had. Um, uh, but um, New England had less carries. So I actually think that your turnover, it's the first time we've come across where your turnover didn't work. Hmm. So maybe it isn't infallible. Maybe it's the exception that proves the rule. Um, Chris Silverthorne is going to be fuming at me. He's like, I followed your theory, power. You've led me down the wrong path. (laughs) Sorry, Chris. So I think think New England just... um, played the conditions better. I think that, um, you know, Toronto's the team, they're at the bottom of the East. I mean, Isn't that it, crazy? It, it's crazy. And, and they're a good quality team, but New England, you know, they, they used the kicking game and they played territory and that's what you need to do um, in a game like this. And I think it paid off for them. Now I'm going to go back in the, uh, the archives here just a little bit. I'll let you get going. Our next game, Houston, on the road at San Diego. San Diego, another win. Uh, Patty Ryan is in the side. San Diego getting stronger and uh, creeping up that ladder on the Western Conference, Pete. I, I, it's, it's nuts. I, was, I looked and I said, wow, San Diego are in a touching distance of the second place. They could, they could make the playoffs. And I think, you know, we talked about Patty Ryan. He was a guy that really, really changed the... Um, uh, really changed the... Um, the game when he came in, um, you know, I, I, I think I posted something on Twitter and someone came back and said, well, I, it may have been the three pricker of the tries that Seattle um, scored in the semifinal against San Diego. And that's why they went and got Paddy Ryan. But he was, he was a big impact. The interesting thing about this is that San Diego are winning blowout games while not playing very well Dan. They had 40% possession. Which is um, scary. There, they 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 haven't put, they they defended well, but they had lots of penalties. They had they had fifteen penalties, um, but they had five breakdown steals. So really, really good at the breakdown. They had um, less possession than Houston, um, but they had five five line breaks. Um, and you know, Sam Wuching and Josh Ferno are really being good ball carriers um, for that team. So, you know, San Diego with. Um, uh, with Joe Peterson, they're just a different team. They're just a different team. And they just seem to, you know, Joe Peterson makes things happen. And I think that was, that was impressive. The other thing I'd say about San Diego, 16 dominant tackles by San Diego. Three by Paddy Ryan, three by Josh Berno, and three by Sam Wuching. That's a, that's a, lot, of, a lot of dominant tackles. Yeah, it is. And just quickly to go back, I did go into the archives. So for Toronto fans, don't worry, because Atlanta just a month ago were in fifth place. So uh, that's the craziness of the East. You string together well, a good month of there. rugby that's and you can, you can go somewhere. But there is a little bit of separation getting on the East Coast now. And, and, and yes. just before we before we move on, Dan, for that, let, can we just talk about Houston? Like, what do you think of, like, where's Houston for you? I mean, they had a run of uh, some good performances, but were never able to score and then just really struggled in this game. Well, I mean, are they good? I, is Houston good? I, I've talked about this ad nauseum. I'm not sure. Like, I, I'm normally when the team's not winning, you can almost pinpoint what's going wrong, like where it is. Oh, it's a defensive thing. It's you know, offensive thing. I think they do struggle ball in hand with creativity, and I think that's probably one of the things they need to address a little bit. 
But without going into, I would have to spend a week down with the team and figure out like, is this a culture thing? Is this a talent thing? Is this, you know, what is this? Is this a game plan thing? I don't know um, because I've got a lot of yeah. time for Paul Healy. I've got a lot of time for the off field and the ownership staff at Houston. And I, the roster's not bad. Like you can win games with that roster. So I don't know what it is. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, so if the, uh, if Houston want to call down Dan Power um, consultants, he'll come down. He'll do a little analysis for you, and he'll solve he'll solve the problem. You have some time on your hand, Dan. That'd be a good a good way of using it. Little old school. I'll just get uh, the old boxing gloves and be like, "Listen, no one's leaving till we figure this out." There's a there's a cooler of beer in that corner. Some boxing gloves in this corner. Let's get this sorted out and figure out how we're going to win games. So. I don't think you can do that anymore. All right, moving on to the late game uh, was Austin on the road to Utah. Utah, 24 straight points in the first half, end up running out winners 45-24 over Austin. Great performance from Utah. They look really good at home. I think that blemish against Seattle early in the year, the only one they've had there, and they're a tough side to beat uh, up there in Salt Lake, Pete. Yeah, and, and you know, let's let's remember that Austin came in here as one of the best defensive teams in the league, and Utah just kind of blew them out. I, I, I was actually like really interested to see, um, you know, Whiting get the start at, at ten, and I was a little bit concerned about that. But he had a good game, and um, you know, as a fly half, led the team with fourteen tackles. So that was obviously something that, that Austin had targeted. Austin have struggled to to score points. They did better in the second half felt like Utah took their foot off the gas. Um, turnovers were a problem. Generating line breaks were a problem for Austin, but this is a good, good Utah team. Remember, a lot of their losses, Dan, have come with, with less than seven points. And so, yeah. you know, when they click, I think that they can they can really, really play with the best. I agree. They're a pretty well-balanced team as well, so they look to be getting stronger and stronger. Uh, Malolo didn't play this game, so they're still... You know, some value to add there as well. So, yeah, look out. Look out. Could be a good year. But, again, it's just that uh, that three-game skid where they lost three games in a row. You just sort of start to wonder. I want to see them string some stuff. They play Seattle this week, which will be a big test to see how they do on the road up there in a tough environment. But uh, let's move on. New York, uh, they looked phenomenal on Sunday, Pete, against DC. They blew them out 46 points to 10. uh, Just a... Just a really good all-round performance. Ben Foden walks away with player of the match and Foden's really, really looked good. It's scary to think that even without Dan Holland's head, Harry Bennett has another great game. Uh, Andy Ellis continues to steer the ship. The forwards look really good. I thought Hunko played one of his better games I've seen this year. Cara Pryor was really good. It's like New York are built pretty tough up there. Yeah, I mean, I thought this was a really, really good performance. And I think that when, um, like, right at the end of the half, where, um, uh, was it um, Nakali, the, the, the flanker? Nangali, the, the yeah. Tavina Nangali, yeah. Made, yeah. made the break and it's time, time left. And who's the guy that's coming to kind of swap the ball away as he tries to put it down? Um, there's, like, Ben Foden going to mid-30s, England star. I think that shows you something about um, uh, what New York is. I think New York is a grinding team. I mean, they scored a lot of points, but I think that their their effort is there. You can see they were very feisty, like Andy Ellis was putting his nose in and trying to start a couple of fights. 
<laughs> but you know that that I, th- I felt like that was a turning point because that score would have I think put it back with you know within one score, and I think it may have made the second half different. But yeah, I mean, twelve line breaks um, for uh, um, for New York, and only one for Old Glory, despite having significantly more possession, significantly more territory. This Old Glory team doesn't seem to be clicking, and if it wasn't for some extra penalties by um, New York. I don't know. I mean, I mean, you know, this 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 could have been this could have been a lot worse. And I agree with you. I think the back row of New York is looking um, really really good. Um, you know, they seem to not miss um, Savetta, which was a big loss. So they managed to handle that pretty well. Um, I, I agree. You know, New York is all of a sudden they're right up there. And I, you know, I give up picking. Dan, I just I just give up picking these teams. You know, you literally like everyone's on a one one or two game streak, and then yeah. and then it um and then it changes. But you know, Old Glory just has lost that ability to be able to um to play. But they, I feel like they haven't adjusted. So they're not making any line breaks, but they're still generally trying to do everything with ball in hand. You know, eighty percent of their carries from the twenty two they ran like. You know, they need to be kicking more. They need to be playing more territory. But I know um, Old Glory's uh, got some problems that they need to fix pretty quickly. Yeah, this this was a change that I made on uh, Super Brew late when I saw the rosters come out. Jamie Diva was out. Threaten Palamo was out. Obviously, Jamison Farner Schultz was suspended. It was just like a lot of guys in key positions that provide a lot of go forward that allows them to play quick ball, like Farner Schultz and, and Palamo in right. particular. Are they go forward guys? And I'm like... They really do live and die on fast ball, and those two get that go forward ball for them so well. So I flip flopped over to New York, and uh, you know, smartest guy in the room. But unfortunately, I did the opposite <laughs> with Austin and Utah when I saw Schulte was out. I'm like, that's tough. That's, to that's throw what I did. Calvin White. I did with Austin and Schulte. I saw, I saw yeah. Calvin White, and I'm like, oh, that's a that's a bit of a concern. But um, now, yeah. damn. But for the next game, I flipped it. You did. So the rugby professor's ATL, breakdown, yeah, ATL. I, I chose rugby, ATL, and super. You did. You did? I did. I switched it. I, I actually called on, on super brew, rugby, ATL. And, and what I thought, Dan, is I was like, you know what? There's, you know, LA have not been the LA of the first, like, four or five weeks, right? They haven't been slowing people out in those first 20 minutes. I think if you remember, LA went to Hawaii, they had a really intense month. I think that gave them an advantage and, and they're not there. And I thought if there's a team that can shut down this LA attack, it is rugby ATL. And that yeah. is exactly what they did. So remarkable game, really remarkable game. That's why you are the professor. Well, let's break it down. This one, uh, I, I've said this before, statistically, if you put the stats up on a piece of paper and take the score away and put it in front of 100 people, I would dare say over 90 would say that LA won that game. It, it, it's statistically crazy game, um, but ATL, they got it done. Well, let's, let, let's start with, I think, the most remarkable number in all the, st- um, in all the stats is the ball in play number was 42 minutes. I'm not sure I've seen a, a number that high for the ball in play. So the ball was in play so much. But you can just you can actually see just in the high level stats what rugby ATL did. They had fifty four percent of the of the territory, and they had thirty six 
uh, the possession. They had 15 attacking minutes, 26 to LA. They basically went out and said, you can have the ball. We'll just give you the ball in your end. And then we're just, we're just going to defend. And so, you know, just smash it. And, and, you know, it's, it's funny because right at the end of the game, um, LA had the ball for three or four minutes, right? I think it was like the 83rd or 84th minute where they could still win the game. And, you know, I was expecting the line speed of ATL to drop. They'd been going and going and going. They made, you know, 225 tackles. They missed 24. So 24 tackles misses a lot, but it's a 90% tackle rate. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, they only had two line breaks in the whole game. Atlanta, they ate, ate by um, LA. So, but they had, you know, 250 meters more ticking. They just played the ball in the right part of the field and yeah. they just trusted their defense and, and it worked. I mean, LA lost the game line 42% of the time. I mean, that's a nutty number for anyone, but it's a hugely nutty number for LA. They never lose the game line. And this is a defense that just launched and launched and launched. It was, it was remarkable. And just a, a shout out on the defense. I mean, there's so many like high level tackles, but you know, Chance Wengluski made 24 tackles and made 100% of his tackles. Whew. That's so, really impressive. That's impressive from your prop, right? Um, and then, and then the interesting thing that we talked about, you know, we've always talked about the Atlanta defense was the, um, is their dominant tackles. Now, what's interesting here is they only had nine, nine dominant tackles, which I think tells you something about how LA um, attacks. They're very, very difficult to get a strong shoulder on. But the really, the, the number that really stood out to me on the defense is they had 14 tackle assists. Now, part of that is how Atlanta defends is that they defend squares so the defenders don't turn their hips and that allows the outside defender to turn in and be a tackle assist and that's the reason why they were only you know that, that they were able to hold that defense hold that attack because one-on-one LA have too many good runners with good feet it makes it very difficult for you to defend but because they stay square and they can add that tackle assist it makes it very very difficult for um any team to be able to break those tackles and so those tackle assist numbers really really stood out to me the the other thing that i thought atl did did really well and i think they've now found the combination that works for them is they had Kalsa at 10 who is a right-footed kicker and they had Ezkura at 12 who start you know played some 10 for them early on the season as the left-footed kicker being able to have that right and left-footed kicker is so important if, if you want to um, if you uh, want to play a territorial game because it allows you to make sure that you have um, really really good uh, um, uh, options regardless of where the ruck is to be able to clear your lines and you saw that because ATL like exited their 22 kicking almost like 70 percent of the time. LA ran it out of their 22-60% of the time. I felt like LA in this game, Dan, kind of like had a way that they wanted to play and just did not adjust. I can only remember one little hop kick that Gitto did over the defensive line, which is what you do when you've got a team that's launching so hard. And I don't know if, if Darren, you know, Darren Coleman's a smart um, coach. He might be thinking, we're going to play ATL again. We're going to play them in the final. We're not going to show them too much because they've definitely got the players that can do those little attacking kicks either over or through that rush defense. Um, 
But, you know, the fact they kept trying to do ball in hand despite the defence is just just really, really Im- impressive. I mean, you know, the lineouts and scrums were very even. The penalties are very even. It was really the the ability for ATL to launch, to get... And, and I, actually, I would actually say the work rate, Dan, to get back on their feet after the tackle to rebuild that wall, I thought was just was just impressive. The work rate was just out of this world. A great line once, the uh, trophy you lift at the end of the year weighs the same no matter how many games you lose during the year. So there you go for LA. Doesn't matter if you yeah. lost. It could, it could be, like you said, I, I, don't, I don't think you kind of, uh, you never know. You never know. You don't Sometimes, throw games. You don't throw games, but as someone that has... You keep, keep you know, a little bit in the in Yeah, the yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean what, what you want to be able to do is you want to be able to get away without showing everything. And I think where LA is, they, they have the luxury of just being like, look, we're going to win a few more games. We're going to make the playoffs now. Or, you know, they, they might already be there. The one thing I would say is that, like, LA is beaten up. I mean, you saw Cultural by the end of the game. He was playing on one leg. I mean, these yeah. guys, it was a physical, physical game. So the ability for both teams to be able to, to like, get back on and go again next week is going, to be, is going to be a challenge. Both teams will have very, very light weeks, I think. I think LA have a buy. Oh, well then they'll yes, have a very long buy, and some guys are being tropical. Yeah, let's get tropical. Uh, Flint Tropics, my favorite semi-pro basketball team of all time. They need a yeah. <laughs> they need a buy after that game. They really do. Yeah. There's like like this might be one of the times where the buy doesn't win. Yeah, <laughs> well, it keeps winning. I tell you, the buys are uh, doing really well. All right, mate. Uh, a lot of great performances. We're going to bring in our player of the week. And I got to tell you, I'm shocked that this is the first time we've had this guy on the show. He has been outstanding throughout his career. I'm talking about the fullback from the Utah Warriors, Mike Teo. And we had a chance to sit down with him earlier today. Uh, we are joined now by Player of the Week for Week 11, and I am absolutely shocked this is the first time he's won this award. Mikey Teo, thanks for joining the show, buddy. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Thank you, guys. Thanks thanks for having me on the show. Now, I don't know what you did to the judges, whether you ran over their cat or broke their mirrors or you know put them under ladders for you never to win this award. You have been one of the absolute stars of this league since its inception in year one. Uh, new team, new year, new you. How are you selling in Utah with the wife? And uh, what are your impressions on your time with the Warriors so far? Uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is all pretty much new for me. Uh, I came to Utah in February. My wife, she's in the Navy, so she's still in Spain. Uh, she actually comes back this week. So excited to see her, excited to see the, see the dog. And uh, we're expecting a baby in August. I don't know, everything's, everything's just new for me this year. Like, you know, this is my ninth year, you know, playing professional. Uh, getting paid to play rugby so this is just all new for me it's a new chapter and uh man i'm loving it here in utah so let's talk a little bit about the transition to utah can you share a little bit about how you how you ended up with the warriors uh yeah so last year i was signed with the usa sevens olympic team and then i got offered to i got there wednesday I was named starter on Thursday. Season got canceled because of COVID on Friday. So after that, um, <clears throat> the whole you know rugby stopped all year. And then uh, then when I when I wanted to come back to the league, uh, I talked to my agent and we wanted to shop me around the league. 
and we had we had a few options on the west coast and eventually we just uh, decided utah so that's how i came to utah and, and talk a little bit about um being coached by sean davies right so he's a he's he's a former teammate and now and now he's your coach i don't know if you played with sean Pittman. i don't know if you're old enough to have played played with the other sean but can you talk a little bit about um how they work together and your relationship with both of those guys. Oh, playing with, um, <clears throat> playing with Sean Davies was awesome. And we played the, we played in the world cup together. We were like roommates, one tour on one of like the ARC tours, uh, a few years back. And, uh, his transition to coach has been pretty awesome. He does all the analysis, you know, checks out our opponents, gets all the stats, just as, just what a player doesn't want to do, but a coach always does. So that's really awesome. Uh, I didn't play with uh, Pittman, but he was he was there. He was coaching at the World Cup, so you know, we're, we've always had that relationship. Um, originally, it was uh, Chris Latham was supposed to head coach, and you know he was one of the best fullbacks ever to play the game. Uh, personal fan, and uh, he he kind of recruited me. He was like a big push factor to come to Utah as well. And then uh, unfortunately, he well he had to stay he had to stay in Australia with his family, which is you know that's family first. That's all understood. And I feel like Sean Pittman and Sean Davies, they've, uh, that's a big, big, big shoes to fill. And I feel like they've been, they've been doing you know, amazing at it. Uh, we're sitting five and five right now, but uh, second in the West, still a lot, a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. A quick, quick question about rooming with Sean Davies. Did you find it frustrating that you had to give him a boost to get up on the bed all the time in those <laughs> hotels with the higher beds? I can say that to his face. I don't know if you could too, Dan Powers, but I'd have to look way down <laughs> or like get on my knees to say it to his face. But it good, good preparation for being a father in August, I guess, because you you carried the little man child around for the entire tour. So, hey, let, let's oh, talk about your game on the weekend. I know I won't. I'll just quickly move on so you don't get in trouble here. It's Mike Taylor wearing twenty three this weekend. Thanks a lot. Oh uh, yeah. Let's talk about the game of the weekend. It was a big one coming in, right? Austin and yourself tied on the ladder at number two. You beat them down there in a really close game. I think they had a shot to win it with a long-range penalty at the end of the game. How was the week leading up to it? What was the talk like? And, you know, was there a little extra pressure coming into this one, knowing what was on the line on the, in terms of standings? Uh, coming into this week, uh, we, we had the loss to LA and then the loss to New Orleans. Um uh, so we we were given Monday off, which was which was massive. We all the all the, all the boys needed needed Monday off, and then we just knew you know coaches gave us Monday off. It was it was a surprise that they gave us off, and I think all the guys got together. We were like, hey, let's uh, let's bring it Tuesday and let's bring it Thursday, and you know let's try and earn that day off once they give it to given it to us. And I feel like I feel like we did earn that day off on Monday and Saturday. We just came out firing. Uh, it was twenty four zero at halftime and. We were all we were even more pumped up at halftime. Uh, we just came out and we just wanted to finish the game and you know respect our opponents by trying to put up sixty. That was the game plan. And now you you personally, your performance this weekend and for the whole season, you and Mika Kruse have developed one of the best combinations on that outside. Meeks comes late into the the squad from LA. How was it, you know, getting together with him and and, and has that combination something you've worked on or is just something that's come organically and be before he came uh so his time with usa i was out injured with my acl so i never really i don't even think i've said like two sentences to him before he came here so it was actually nice to like meet him and uh see the way he operates 
And uh, once we're on the field, it's just uh, it's pretty natural. Uh, I kind I've always watched him, so I kind of know the way he plays. So as fullback and when he's at wing, I kind of I, I don't know, just I know what he's gonna do, and you know I can see him pulling it off before it happens. So. So as you as you look, you say you know second in the West, lots to do. Where are the areas that you think you would like to um, improve as a team? Uh, it's hard. It's hard to win a game with you know uh, over ten turnovers. I think like the New Orleans game, uh, you know the Warriors lost to the Warriors, and that's the stuff we need to improve on. And I feel like Austin, we lowered our turnover count, and that's that's massive. And uh, you know front up tackles, you'll see the tackle percentages like. Uh, some games were at like 90 and I don't think I've been a part of a team where we're at like over 90% tackling. And then other, other games were at uh, like 74%, 75% tackle completion. So, and then, you know, what about you personally? You've, you've had a long history with elite rugby. Like you said, you've been playing professional rugby for nine years. You're now a veteran, right? You're, you're a world cup veteran. When you look at your game, are there still areas that you want to improve on and, 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 what do you try to do? Oh, always. I'll, I'll, I definitely always need to improve. Uh, you know, taking the year off last year, it was like, it was a good break from rugby because, you know, playing, I started sevens when I was, I started under 20s when I was 18, sevens when I was 19. And it's just been like always a grind, always a grind. Uh, I'm starting to do, I'm, I'm working on a degree right now on online. So that's like, and I got a family coming, like my wife and, you know, kid on the way. So I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call myself a World Cup veteran. I still have goals to make the next World Cup and, and do my best there. Uh, definitely, if I, if I stay the same and I play the same I am in the next World Cup, you know, maybe we don't win again. Like, I don't want to go winless at a World Cup. I don't think anyone does. So there's always, there's always something to do and work to do. But, but, but you, you know, you are in that back three with, with Mika, right? And, and what's, and, you know, he's a young guy who's starting his career. So what's been the advice that you've given him? Give us a share, share one piece of advice that, that, that you shared with Mika that maybe other back three players might, might um, gain from. Oh, we're only, me and Mika, we're only in like four or five games in together. So I, I don't know. I don't want to step on his shoes. And if it's, if it's, if it's, uh, if it's not broke, don't try and fix it. So I just kind of let him, let him do his thing, let him operate. And maybe I'll get more in his ear throughout the season. But uh, just I, I think he's playing well. Yeah, you guys, I think, have, you know, some of the best back three counters that we've seen in the league. I mean, I think along with Josh Whippy, the three of you are probably the most most dynamic. Um, who's the one that really demands the ball? Like that kick happens, you're up in the air, you've got Josh and Mika. Are they both screaming for the ball that they want it on the counter attack? Or is it like one of them's a little quiet? No. 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 <laughs> you don't they know anything. that ball's going one direction. And that's me <laughs> catching it and me going into the wall. So they, well, they got to expect that. Just to follow up on Pete, I actually love watching like, and, and, and calling Utah games is always enjoyable for that reason. Whenever there is a kick downfield, I think no matter where the ball lands, whether it's on the halfway line, on your one meter line, wherever, I never know what you're going to do. Do you know what you're going to do? Like what's your process when the ball comes down? Because I feel like you've developed your kicking game significantly in the last few years where you have a, a weapon off your boot but you also love to run the ball still, but now you've got great skills in terms of distributing to your outside wingers as well. What's your thought process when a kick comes out? I do not, don't want to give teams too much of an inside advantage into the thoughts of Mikey Taylor here, but do you know what you're going to do or is it something that just comes naturally to you? 
I just hope I catch the ball. That's that's like number one, you know, catch the ball. Two, if there's time, you can kick it. If there's if there's a big, I don't know, if there's a if there's a line of forwards, I'll just run right at them and just hold on to the ball. Try and try and at least take two guys out so my other teammates can get the ball in space. Yeah. I love it. I'm a, I love not much thought process. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, who who do you what do you give me a little insight into the league? What what teams do you always have to prepare a little like what players in terms of being a 15? So mm-hmm. I played fullback as well, and it was always you had a lot of respect for the good kickers, like the, the kickers that could test you and you couldn't actually move around. Who in the league do you have to do a little bit extra work on when you're playing? Uh let's see. I, I, I always focus on nines and tens, and if they're right footed or left footed. Uh Ruben de Haas last week, we man, he's got one of the best box kicks I've seen. Uh in a long time. So I knew that that massive box kick was coming. Uh, I felt like we, we took care of that pretty well on the weekend. Um, uh, yeah, and just, I don't know, I, every 10, every nine, I just make sure I know how far they can kick. It's altitude here, so I got to take like an extra three steps back. I don't think people like really realize, but man, that ball, when it, in altitude, that ball yeah. flies. So every every time you kick, whatever you're used to, you have to back up three three meters at least. Um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that's I don't know, around the league. I don't, I don't, I don't, I try not to focus too much on like the player itself. I just want to know how far they can kick, what foot they kick off. And so, um, when you, when you look at the, uh, the season you've had, what's, what's been the most impressive team that you've played and, and why were they most impressive? I think I might know the answer to this, but let's, uh, let's give you the, the option. Now, honestly, each game, I don't know, our, well, four of our five losses were within seven points, I believe. And the one game that was more than seven points was the LA game. And that was, uh, that was, that they were an impressive team. I think we played at SoFi Stadium. That was probably the most impressive part of that whole weekend was playing in that stadium. That was unreal. Um, and LA, you know, they came out firing. We knew like we're, we're pretty much, we're really prone to a few mistakes in the game and, a good team will capitalize it. LA capitalized on our mistakes and we kind of were playing catch up towards the end. So, and this weekend, you guys go up against Seattle. So, um, the two time champion that started poorly but seemed to have turned it around. What do you, what do you expect from Seattle, um, this weekend? And, and, um, is it, it looks like there might be some more countering opportunities, uh, with the amount that they're kicking right now. Yeah, Seattle, they're, they're, they're always a powerhouse. You, you don't win, you know, back-to-back uh, titles, uh, you know, on a whim. And, you know, I know those guys, you know, any, 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 50, any 23 can rock up and, and compete, uh, especially with a team that's won two titles. So this is a big game. Uh, we definitely owe them from the game that we had here. That was one of the five-point loss on the five-meter line. So I know. I don't think we want to like focus too much on that game and just say, hey, we've we've built a lot, a lot since that game. And you know, the performance that we had last weekend, we just try to use that momentum into this weekend. Yeah, the old revenge game. Uh, that that was a bit of a, a blip on the season. That loss to Seattle came out of nowhere. I don't think any of us were expecting that. But uh, always a tough trip up to the Pacific Northwest. Starfire is is a great place to play. All right, mate. Let's let's talk a little bit about uh, your teammates and some other fun stuff here. Now, every team has uh, the, the locker room characters. Uh, I know 
Tucci's probably number one there because he's just a lunatic. But who's the player that you love to see walk in the locker room? Who's the immediate, uh, you know, good time boost? Who, who gives the, the oxygen to the room? And who's the oxygen thief? Who walks in who's just the downer all the time? You always got to try to get around to cheer him up. I think every time this guy walks into the locker room, I was like, light up. Uh, Derek Ellison. Uh, I just call him Derek. I don't really know if that's his last name, but it's probably you got Ellison. Ellingson. Yep, yep, you nailed yeah, it. Yeah. So Derek. So he he was a, he was a, he was on the bench the first few games, and I'm in. I'm like ready about the tunnel. I know of late he's been like making everybody laugh and cracking everybody up, and now that he's starting, he's um and he's been performing well, especially uh you know for a young guy playing in this league. So. Derek Elson. And the guy to take it all away from everybody when they walk in. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I can't say it. Come on. Come on. Angus McClellan. You can say it. I was actually thinking of Angus. Angus yeah. wouldn't mind me saying that. Yeah, Angus is. But he's been playing well too. So. Cheer up, Angus. You're playing well. Stop being so sad. No, you have, you have to you have to run us through Derek again. What what Derek you cut out during the Derek one? Was uh what makes Derek such a good dude? Oh, uh, you just—I don't know. You just gotta—you just gotta meet him. If you get a chance to meet Derek Ellingson, go up and shake his hand, and he'll probably be smiling and laughing just for. Tell him, tell him to win Player nothing. of the Week. Say, hey, Derek, they need you to win Player of the Week, so you go talk to these guys. You'll have a great time. I'm—I'm I'm too busy yelling at him in the game, so I don't want to put another thing on him. Oh, Constantly yelling at Derek. <laughs> I bet. All right, now we're going to go into the gymnasium. Who is, who's the? Who would win the big three? Who's got the biggest bench, the biggest squat, and who can do the most pull-ups? Man, that's that's tough because the backs we lift we lift separate from the from the forwards, so I don't really pound know. Pound. So you just know the back. Let's just do the backs. So they're the important ones anyway. Yeah. Forwards are just going to get in our way. I know one of the forwards, my Ratu, he he squatted five plates on each side, and I haven't seen that physically, and with my own eyes. Like ever, were they so. though? Were they five tens on each side, or did he put the forty fives on? It was five forty fives on each side. I was going to say, so I can do five tens each side. That's not that hard. Yeah. That's five yeah. plates a side. So he big, big Ratu, Vungakoto. He's uh, yeah, Ratu. I think uh, Franco's up there. Yeah, Franco looks like he can yeah. lift a lot of weight. The backs, I don't know. We don't, we don't lift too much. Maybe Tyler Fisher. He's oh, probably Fisher. the strongest. Yeah, he's Fisher and Wine strongest they look pretty thick. They look pretty, pretty juicy. So, all right. Now I'm going to do a, a little test of your knowledge of Utah, right? We're going to have a little true and false, or I'll give you one multiple choice because I'm a nice guy. You ready? True right. or false? The state bird of Utah is the seagull. I don't know. There are seagulls here, so true. True. Do you know why it is for bonus point? Uh, I think there is a... Uh... There was like a plague and like something and seagulls came and like yeah a plague ate of crickets or something. They ate wow, that's crickets. impressive, man. That's impressive. Like Dan yeah. really dropped this on you without any. Like he hasn't done this with anyone else on Player of the Week. Pete, like, Pete was Pete was Pete was on late, so he doesn't know we've already gone through. Well, it. well we were working. We were working with uh, at uh, Josh Whippy's uh, job site, pressure washing houses. So we were just talking about all the seagulls flying around, and that came up. That that was well, like after the game. Yeah, well, well, I I didn't know that, so you've got me. Thanks a lot, Josh Whippy, and your job site, making my questions look easy. All right, KFC was first sold in Utah. True or false? 
True. Kentucky, Kentucky Fried Chicken. True. True. Do you know the we story? We talked about that as well. I don't know, but we talked about that as well. You guys need to work more and stop We're talking about trivial facts. I know. Do you know the story? Uh, no. <laughs> so the colonel was visiting a friend of his who lived in Salt Lake, and he said, I got this idea for a chicken recipe. And so the guy owned a small cafe called Harmon's Cafe. And he goes, he made him some chicken. He came back a few days later and the line was around the corner of people wanting to get this chicken. And he's like, oh my gosh. I, might, I might be onto something. Went back to Kentucky, mastered the herbs and spices and bam, now you have uh, KFC. All right, I'm, I'm two for two. I, I got a feeling and they get easier because I ran out of the obscure ones. Jello is consumed more in Utah than anywhere else in the world. True or false? True. It's got to be true. Yeah, it's actually the state dessert. And uh, double, double the amount of anywhere else in the world. Green Jello being the favorite. All right, this one's going to be multiple choice. Loftus International, a company based in Salt Lake City, sells more of what a year than anywhere else in the world? Is it A, dinosaur fossils, B, rubber chickens, or C, salt? I would say salt. I don't know. There's a big salt lake right next door. Oh, I knew the salt one would stumble you up. It's not. It's rubber chickens. They sell novelty rubber chickens. 20,000 a year. Yes. All right. Last one. I think we actually talked about that too as a team. So weird. You guys have got to train more. You guys got too much time in your hands. We do. Go go stream Tucci playing Call of Duty. Stop becoming such a learned young man. All right. Name the three warriors currently in the top 25 for tries for MLR in 2021. I don't even really track. Let's see. Top 20 for tries? Yep. Yep, uh, sure. Top 20. There's three Warriors in there right now. Sama Malolo, is, is he on that? That's one. You got, uh, that was the one I thought you wouldn't get. But he had that hat trick that put him ahead early in the year. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, I, think, I think I might be up there. You are. You're at seven for the year. You, you're the highest. Selfish. Um, one more. Oh, obviously, if you're like the highest, I'm selfish, totally. Let's see. Uh, cow? No. It's got to be a forward. Man, I don't know. I'm hey, out. You're, gonna, you're out and he's going to oh, yeah, disappoint. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I mean, it's Beauty. Young, yeah. young Mika Crusade at four tries. Oh, does he score? He scored a try? Oh, man. <laughs> Most of them come from your past, Mike. I know he's <laughs> I got to rewatch film for that guy. The three out of five, not bad. I actually thought you were going to get all five at one point. So yeah. that's, uh, that's a good effort for the first one. We might introduce that. I had, uh, we had Aston Fortain on a few weeks ago. I said, this isn't fair. Poor guy's literally just got off a plane from South Africa. I'm going to ask him <laughs> questions about Utah. It's going to be oh out of five. So I knew yeah. you. All right, Mikey, last one. You said your wife's in the Navy based in Spain. Tell us a little bit about that journey. How did you guys meet? How, how did she end up in the Navy? And what's she doing in Spain? And she has your dog there too. That's, that's uh, fill us in. What's the, the yeah. give us the, every, every detail. I need to know it all. All right, here's, here's the rundown. So we met in 2018 uh, when I was recovering my ACL before San Diego Legion season. And, you know, she came to a few games and we started dating. Uh, we, all, we always knew that she was going to Spain. So she was stationed. She was going to get stationed in Spain, leave Camp Pendleton. Uh, she, she went to Spain. I went to the World Cup and we still stayed in touch. After the World Cup, um, I visited her and went to Spain, went to Portugal, did all the cool stuff. 
coronavirus hit. We ended up getting engaged. Um, we ended up getting engaged and we got married in August, August 19th, 2020, 2020. And uh, what is it? We got a dog. We moved back to Spain, got a dog. I moved here to Utah. Now she's coming back. She's finishing finishing up with the Navy and we have a baby due in August. So that's the yeah. quick rundown. Yeah. I love it. God. I love it. It's like the modern day notebook there. You know, a little bit of distance separation. True love <laughs> always brings you back together, right? Have you seen the notebook? Or am I too uh, old? Once or twice, once or twice. Yeah, I tried. I went on a first date, a first date. And I said, you can pick the movie. And she goes, oh, you won't want to watch it. It's called The Notebook. I said, oh, well, sensei, I'm soft. Like, I'm a, I'm a caring guy. And I cried. I literally just bawled my eyes out. And yeah. uh, there wasn't a second date. Let's just put it that I, way. That so, <laughs> oh, well. It worked out all right. I think my wife's somewhere nearby. Better be careful how loud I talk. All right, Mikey. Appreciate you jumping on, buddy. Congrats yeah. again on uh, a well-deserved... I think you're in team of the week every other week. You're playing unbelievable rugby, mate. I've, I've been really enjoying you this year. I think the Utah move was the right move for you. You're looking great out there. The team is looking strong around you and hopefully a strong push to the playoffs here for the back end of the year. I uh, appreciate it. Thanks, Dan Paris. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Mikey. All right. Player of the week. Well, I tell you, you, ju- you just got to stop doubting Mike Taylor. Like, it's just incredible what he can do on the field the way he plays. Now he just keeps adding, you know, more and more, uh, you know, quivers. Quivers? Quivers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, arrows to his quiver. Yeah. Thank you. Arrows strings, to his quiver. Strings to his bow. More strings to his bow. That's what I was after. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, I, I love watching him play. He's got a great stuff. He's got good pace. But, you know, he has improved his kicking game. Um, his positional work is 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 really good. Um, you know, I, I thought he played great for the U.S. at the World Cup in 2019. It's great to see him bring that form into 2021. And he's been a big part of Utah's success this year. Okay. Hey, Pete, we're going to do an Eastern Conference playoff. Sorry to the West Coast, but uh, Eastern Conference. Hang on, just swallowed a hair. That's not going to be good for the show. Uh, <laughs> all right, Pete, I'm going to give you the standings as they stand right today. Right, mathematically, all six teams still alive in the Eastern race. Toronto is in sixth place on 23. DC, fifth at 24. New England, fourth on 25. Then you jump up to NOLA at 29 in third. New York, 34 in second. And Atlanta, 35 in first. Both have a 7-3 and three record, though. And, and NOLA have played one game less than everyone else. NOLA have so a game in hand. They yeah. have a game... They have a game in hand, right? And so the most that they could get to would be 34. So equal seconds, right. the highest they could get to. Yep. Right. All right. Yeah. All right. Break it down. You... Break it. <laughs> All right. Break okay. it down. If you I... if you if you had to push your chips in right now on two teams making the playoff, knowing their schedule, how they're playing, and what's ahead of them, where are you putting your chips? So um, I think ATL. Yeah, I think I, think, I, think, I agree. I, I, I mean, not just because of this past past performance, but because I think that um, they're a team that has improved both in terms of how they play, but also in terms of they've made some um, acquisitions. I think having Kalsa at ten, huge difference for them. If you remember, 
Um, they had um, Van Schoekwit there, and then for a couple of games, then there's Curran. It just didn't quite fit. So I think having that right with their with their 10-12 connection, I think that's the right 10-12 connection. Um, so I think the um, you know to me rugby ATL is is good, and you know they've got they've got a couple of home games, right? So they'll play Nola. And they play Rugby United New York. So those are going to be the two big games. If they win those two games, then they're in. Um, and then they're, I'm sorry, they're away in both of those games. Excuse me. Um, and then and then they get home with Houston and Old Glory. And, and right now you'd say they're going to win both of those games. So I think ATL could have this wrapped up before you even get into July. And, and of course, July is when teams are going to start losing Eagles. So I think ATL it's June is going to be really, really important. Yeah. Do you want to hear their run in? I can do it for you. Yep. Obviously, NOLA in NOLA, New York in New York. Those two are going to be the big test of where they finish, I think. They go Houston at home or Glory at home. And then they go on a road trip for their last two games. So they're away to the Warriors and they're away to New England. So that's their run, which... You can circle a couple of those games where you think, yep, probably looking pretty strong to win those. But I agree with you. The next two weeks will kind of dictate. And I think they'll come through those two weeks personally. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think they will too. I think that the challenge here is that I think, um, you know, Rugby United have a, have a vein of form, right? They're doing well. And Nola finished with six games away, including trips back to back to yeah. L.A., and to, um, and to Seattle. So I wonder if they'll stay so, up on the West Coast like we've seen teams do. Yeah. Like Glory did that. So maybe they'll just but, set up camp in Vegas or something like that. You know, but it's, that, that's tough, right? And their last home game is against ATL. So if they lose that game against ATL, then they, they're going to have to make up ground going six games in a row away. And I know that that is going to be a really, really tough ask. All right. So, I don't know. It's Nola. Do you think it's New York, Dan? Well, this is New York's run. They're at home to Atlanta, then the Warriors. They go to Atlanta to play Toronto. Then they go to New England to play against New England, which will be a big game. Then they're at home to Houston and Nola to finish the game. So, they have a run of four home games and two away games. So, they go two at home, two away, two at home. You'd have to think the way they're playing at home, they win four out of their six, they're going to be in. Yeah. I mean, I think to me, a lot of it's going to come down to um, these, like I think these next two weeks in the East are going to tell us a lot, right? So um, because Atlanta travels to Rugby United New York and Utah travels to Rugby United New York. And you could say those are the two toughest teams in their running. And if they can win one of those two games, you've got to say that they're safe. But if they lose both, they could find themselves with some yeah. like real pressure in the in that last month of the season. Okay. Now let's look at NOLA. NOLA fans after this weekend. Make sure you go. NOLA fans, get your tickets now. Get out. Last home game. And against ATL, Atlanta, New Orleans, great rivalry already. So to add to that, they have Atlanta at home. Now listen to this stretch. They go to Old Glory. They go to Atlanta to play Toronto. Then they go to New England, then LA, then Seattle, then New York. That is a murderer's row in terms of you are on the road every single week. The closest trip in that entire stretch is going to be against Toronto in Atlanta. 
Then they've got, like you said, after that, that horror run, they go to Boston, which is a long trip. Then they go to LA, long trip. Seattle, longer trip. And then New York, which is another long trip. So they're going to be exhausted. If they make the top two, they're going to definitely earn their spot. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think that the big challenge that, you know, Nola have just, I think they're on, you know, they've really struggled with some injuries and they've been really beaten up. So they're going to have to be very, very healthy to be able to get through that. I mean, they've got the talent, like, like, you know, except for LA, you could, you know, and maybe, you know, except for LA, you could say that they're, they have a chance of being favorites in all of their games, even though they're on the road, but it's, it's going to ask a lot to be that consistent for that long. When you're jumping on a plane, you like, you lose time on your recovery. It's going to be, it's going to yeah. be hard for them. Yeah. And you know, that trip to San Diego is still fresh in my mind. They did not travel well out to San Diego. So I just, yeah, you never know. You never know. They can turn around. All right. This is, this is probably, this is the dark horse on the East for me is new England. Because listen to this run they have. They go old glory at home, Seattle at home, Nola at home, New York at home, Toronto in Atlanta, and then Atlanta at home. It's a lot of home games. It is. It is a lot of home games. And I think that um, by the time they play Atlanta, Atlanta might even already be in the playoffs and might be able to, to let that, that one go. Yeah, they, they right. might be at a rest. This is this is a this is a good run, and and I'm you know Dan, I'm really focused on the next two weeks. Again, New England win these two games, both at home to Old Glory in Seattle, and I think they're favourites to both of those. Then they have a like a ten pointer, whatever it's called, when Nola comes to play, right? And so if they can beat Nola there, and then they have rugby like it's in their hands, right? And because they're at home. They're going to be doing really, really well. So New England can go on a good streak. And I think I've said this before. When I talk to coaches in the league, they talk about how good New England is. So yeah. I think that they've like, like it's in their hands, right? So that's that's what you want. In New, New England, you would say, if we win the rest of our games, we can make the playoffs and we'll be playing our rivals in a way that like I think once we get past New England, things are kind of getting out of people's hands. Right. And that's where we're going to start with old glory. On the road to New England, then they play Nola at home. On the road to Atlanta, so right there we've got three East Coast games in a row here. Then they go Toronto in Atlanta, so they've got back-to-back trips to Atlanta, and then we go San Diego at home, which is a massive game because San Diego at that point could know whether or not, like, hey, have we left our run too late here, or San Diego right. going to be right, right in the hunt. And then listen to this one. Now they can go from heartache to heartbreak. They play Austin at home in their last game, and Austin could be then on the outside. They'll be fighting, right? Austin, yeah. I yeah, mean, I think this yeah. is this is a really really tough run. Um, I don't think that um, they have a buy in there, right? So they do have that um, uh, before they before they travel to Atlanta. So they'll need that buy before they go down to Atlanta. But I just haven't seen enough point scoring here. I mean, they've They've lost um, Fernando Schultz right now. He's got two more games on the suspension. And then by the time he comes back, maybe he ends up going to the UK with the Eagles. You can see what a big loss that has been for them. Um, I, I think I think Old Glory, uh, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that they're out, but, but they've got one foot out the door. I think they've got the hardest run, to be honest, with the yeah. absentees. The, the question now for Fana Schultz is, does the suspension cruel his chances with the Eagles or Gary Gold seen enough in his body of work to say, hey, I'm going to take you? 
or does it be like, hey, you haven't played for the last, you know, three weeks now. I can't take you. You're just not fit enough. You know, we just can't afford right. that. So I, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that question. But all right, last one. Toronto. Toronto find themselves in sixth place. And it's going to be it. They, they went from top of the table to six real quick. It felt like a little second on the table. They go San Diego at home. The way San Diego playing, that's a this is their defining game. That's they need to win one, this game. Yeah. They yep, they lose game. this. Both teams, if both teams lose this, I think then they've got a really oh, that's you know, interesting, tough, right? Yes, yeah, so you're run. right. It, it's a must win for both teams. Yep, and then they go on the road to Austin. Then they are at home to Nola, at home to New York, at home to Old Glory, at home to New England. They finish with four quasi semi uh, hybrid home games uh, in Atlanta. So take that for what it's worth. I mean, I think this is this is a tough run because I think like the when you when you look at teams that um, control their own destiny, what they have is they have a lot of early games against the other Eastern Conference. Like they can they can move up and down early. Here, Toronto, like the next two weeks, they're they're playing cross rival, cross conference teams against teams that are vying for playoff spots. I think I think that's that's hard and. You know they're going to get into into that Nola New York like pairing where those are going to be, have to be two must win because they're two players they're two teams in Nola and New York that that they're going to be vying for and so I mean this has been a really hard season for Toronto they're obviously exhausted like being away from home for so long um, I can't believe that they're, they're too good to be at the bottom of the Eastern Conference but the Eastern Conference is actually a pretty good conference like every team can can play and win um they 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 really need to beat san, san diego and um uh the ags to be able to get on that run if they i think if they lose one of those games dan i think there's too many teams above them with with runs that can make it work i think it'd be it's going to be really really hard for them to get away so it starts with a two-game winning streak then you take a big deep breath and then you you you, you go through the eastern conference as best you can all right two teams Who'd you say, Atlanta and New York? Are your two? So I, think, you think? I think I think Atlanta. I, you know, I've 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 been a late adopter for New York. There's been I I, I haven't quite quite bought into them, but but their defense has been excellent. I think that they're really really beginning to play well. I think Andy Ellis um, is uh, you know leading leading that well. You know, they're scoring points. I think right now it looks like Atlanta and New York. I mean, it's easy, exactly. right? You look and you say Atlanta and New York, but it could be New England. So I think I think Nola's Nola's less likely. I think it's either I think Atlanta, yes, and then it's probably going to be New England or New York. That's exactly where I'm at too. New England, to me, is a team that can make the run because there's so many games at home where they've been very tough to play against. Um, and the other thing is just who stays healthy. Like we're seeing the attrition rate throughout the league, uh, which is a testament to how tough the league is this year. But who loses players at key positions and when do they lose them? The Eagles thing. Hope, I'm hopeful that things sort out by the time the Eagles thing rolls around and we're not looking at like, oh, what if, you know? What, what yeah. if we didn't lose these players? And and for all intents and purposes, you want it to be close, but I think most teams can't really use that as an excuse because you've had so many games leading up to the departures um, to kind of put your stake in the ground. So, yeah, it's going to be a good run. All right, let's go focus on this weekend's game. We kick things off Saturday night. It's 
uh, a return of the Texas Cup. I don't think the Texas, I don't know if the Texas Cup's on the line or not. I don't know how they're organizing that, but it is Austin at Houston. That one's on AT&T Sportsnet down there, KBVO in Austin and the Rugby Network everywhere else. 30 minutes later, ATL at NOLA. This one's on CBS Sports. Then we move to Sunday, San Diego at Toronto in Atlanta. So Fox 5 in San Diego, CSN up north and the Rugby Network everywhere else. And then Sunday is DC at New England. I think this one's on Fox Sports 2. And that one's at uh, 6 p.m. So that one's up at Union Point. And then Sunday night, Utah at Seattle, KSL there in Utah, Root in the, the Northwest, and Rugby Network everywhere else. All right, let's bring in Stats Boy to get our stat of the week and then go through our depressing Super Brew Pickums, me just continuing to go down and down. Uh, well, when you start at the top, Dan, there is only one way you can go. Yeah. Well, except if you name Scary Larry, he just keeps staying at the top. I think he fell off number one in the world, though. I think someone overtook uh, him in the world rankings. Yeah, I can. Let's let's check out. Um, Do scary. your stat. I'll look. I'll look. Okay, I don't so the stat of the week is highest capped player uh, in MLR. Uh, and the second highest capped player, I'll get to that one too, is Angus McClellan. At 40, he is the first player to reach 40 caps in the league. Uh, if you remember, we went back to the beginning of the season. Uh, most cap player in the league uh, at the beginning of this season was Eric Duchal. And then the second most cap player uh, is now Sam Windsor at 39. I, I could have sworn he was because someone asked this question, uh, I think, in the Seawolves uh, fan group. Um, and tagged me, and at the time, at the beginning of the season, I guess it was now two months ago, two, two and a half months ago, it was Eric Duchal as the most capped player in the league. So 40 for Angus McClellan and 39 for Sam Windsor as your top two capped players uh, in MLR history so far. Um, and on to Super Brew. Uh, you know, it's 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 getting pretty crazy for, for all of us. It's... Trying to pick games is still difficult, except for Larry actually had a bad week, to, to be honest. I think in he's, I'm in a subgroup with him. He actually, had, I think he had the second lowest score of the week, but he is still so far ahead, at least in the MLR kickoff group, that, you know, he... he he's would, like the LA Guiltinis, right? Yeah. He's so far yeah. ahead, he can lose a few games, and he's still going to make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um it's uh, it was a bad week for for gorgeous Dan. Uh, he dropped down two to eighth place. Um, you know that he we're all struggling. I also uh, actually did okay somehow. I went from seventeenth to sixteenth. Um, I thought I had a bad week too. Uh, but where where is the professor? And after the professor had that Just one going great, down, had Just that keep, one keep great week, down. he has dropped down to thirty fourth. Uh, I feel like I feel like shouldn't I get double points for picking against LA? I feel like that there should be like point. bonus points. I, I I'm so mad at, at that Utah pick because I I believed in Utah the whole time, and then I just second guess myself. Well, that was so, that was me for um, Atlanta versus LA. Uh, I censored out to Scott Lawrence. I thought that was just probably one of the greatest games in the short history of MLR, and I was just held to the rivet the whole game and yeah like i felt it you know you felt how physical that game was so yeah. there it you go guys great game. well i can Thanks. tell you scary larry um, globally has dropped to seventh place 
uh, MC number one, then GR85. And then you'll like this one, Pete. You'll get this reference. Not many people will. Hansi Cronier is actually number three. So um, former South African cricketer, tragically passed away, but not before a betting scandal rocked his uh, cricket career. So when, when you're in a pick and pool using the name Hansi Cronier, maybe not, maybe not the best <laughs> name to use. All right, let's do this weekend's games, buddy. Uh, Austin at Houston. Who do you like here? Austin. I mean, I think, I think Austin, it's not going to be a high-scoring game. Neither of these teams can score many points. Um, you know, we've, we've basically said we don't know what's going on with Houston. Like, they've got good players. They have good coaches. They've got good, like, off-field staff. Um, but they haven't been playing very well. So, obviously, Houston's going to win this by 30 points. But we'll, I'll pick Austin. Um, and I think this game will be something like, like 18-10. It's going to be, it's going to be a close game. Yeah, um, uh, Austin just has so much more to play for. I mean, you yeah. never know, and Houston can rally down there. A little Texas rivalry can always inspire the guys to, to, to turn up. But the one thing to watch out of Austin, their injury toll is ridiculous right now. So right. in the first half against Utah, they lost Ned Hodson. They lost Dom Bailey, Dom Aquina. They lost uh, Michael DeWall's out. Like, he didn't go in the game. Will McGee went out. Frank Halai hurt his shoulder, but continued to play because there was no one else. And so they are—they are pretty. I think I feel like I'm even missing someone. They got one player who should be available this week, um, who came in a couple of weeks ago. Lachlan McCaffrey. Lachlan McCaffrey, McCaffrey yeah. should be available good, to them this good week. Good player. So yeah, uh, but even with that being said, I think yeah, there's more to play for. And uh, little. I mean, I think just too. just just one of the things that we didn't talk about, Dan, Dan is that. Um, even Toronto in the East uh, can look and have a shot in making the playoffs. I don't think that's true for Seattle and, and Houston in the West. We've got two two in the bottom that are just too far too far away. To tell you something about the East, even though Toronto's sick, they've got a pathway to making the uh, um, the, the playoffs, which is crazy. I think mathematically, Seattle and Houston are still technically alive, but it's out of their hands. Yeah, yeah. like crazy. I I think that LA is going to have to lose, uh, or Austin and Utah will have to lose. We have to lose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Crazy. It's crazy what it will take. All right, ATL at Nola. Now, this is uh, you and I did this game last year down there, and we both walked away super impressed with how ATL defended against that Nola side. Noel, the last home game, it's going to be a big occasion. And then ATL coming off the, uh, the emotional roller coaster that was the LA game, the physicality of that game. Let's see how they recover from that. I still like ATL in this game, though, just based on the fundamentals of their defense play really well into the way Nola attacks. And so I will, I will go ATL, but I think this one's a super tight game down there. And I could totally see Nola blowing them out. Yeah, I mean, this is like one of these things where, you know, one of the biggest coaching challenges that you have is 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 how do you get your team to um, step up again, which is like something that New York were unable to do after they beat LA, and so and so you can look at that and you could be like, you know, ATL could come out and you're right, Nola could blow them out because physically it's just really hard, mentally hard for them to recover. Yeah. I I agree with you. I think if it wasn't for that, I would be. Like, I think ATL here is probably a better team. Um, both of these teams are actually grinded out teams. Um, you know, NOLA, the old NOLA, like score lots of points kind of team isn't 
you know, isn't around this year. They, they're a team that needs to go through the phases. That's really, really difficult to do against ATL. I think, you know, Nola coming off a bye is going to give them an edge here. ATL has to do some rotation. So? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Byes haven't been great. But um, uh, I think that... I. I mean, some of this is sort of like, I want to see the team, right? This, this is definitely one of those where, where, where you want to see the teams. But I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think all things being equal, ATL pulls this off, but Nola might have the edge because they'll be better rested and, and ATL will struggle. But I'll, I'll go with ATL as well. Yeah, it's hard to, hard to push against ATL. All right. Sienda, uh, Sien, Sien. come on, Daniel. Sien, Sienda. Yes, uh, uh, San Diego at Toronto. Who do you like in this one? Well, I'm actually back on the road, Dan, and I'm calling this game. He's back, baby. I get the weekend off and you have to work. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, you know, but I'm so excited. Defer. Yes. Defer. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to defer, but I'm going to tell you why I'm excited I'm doing this game because we talked about it. For both of these teams, it's a must win. They're going to both yeah. bring everything they can to it. So I'm really, really excited to do the game. Who do you think, Dan, cool. on this one? San Diego. I just think, yeah, uh, tough, tough old year. Toronto uh, with that loss to New England was pretty physical too. So I think San Diego looking healthy, looking strong. And I think they'll play well. Fast track down there. It's early kickoff again. The Toronto kicking off at 12 local time, which is uh, nine in the morning for San Diego. So... No favors in terms of the time for kickoff, but it's definitely not the other. When Seattle had to play at seven their time, you know, that 10 a.m. kickoff, well, that was atrocious. Uh, so I, I will say San Diego, just with more to play for in this game, yeah. we'll get the win here. All right, uh, DC at New England. Are you doing this one? I am not. I'm doing Utah-Seattle. Okay. Then you go first on this one. Yep. So on this one, I think I think this is going to be New England. I think that it's a, it's a really, really important game for them. Um, they do really, really well at home. DC haven't shown that they can score many points, even if they have the possession. Um, you know, Jason Rob. One of the things I have to say, I'm not sure that Jason Robertson had his real kicking boots on in his last game. It doesn't look like he's kicking that well, both out of the hand and from the tee. So I think I think New England are going to pull this off. I think they have to pull this off. Um, you know, because if um, if if they if they don't win this game and know to win it's gonna it's gonna really really um create that gap it's gonna be hard for them to come back so must win for new england but i think they put it off i think it's a close game i think this game's like 22 18 or something like that yeah earlier game this year old glory got the 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 cookies down there at segra field early this year i think new england's a totally different side from there though where I agree i agree we'll we'll see if jamie diva and uh threaten are back Maybe they strengthen up a little bit, but um, Union Point, old Woodsley lurking in the, the woods up there, the big blue furry thing they've got running around uh, seems to be a, a genius <laughs> stroke by the crew up there to get that going. So, yeah, I'll go that as well. All right, Utah, Seattle. Pete's doing this one, so we'll let him take a, a pass on it. Uh, I'll go Utah. I think Utah looked outstanding. And they, they need to get a win. You know, I haven't won on the road since week one in Austin, so they need to get a road win. And this is a good one, probably against a, a Seattle side that 
you know, have been getting better, but still not in touch with the top teams on the West Coast. And Utah are going to prove they're a top team on the West Coast. They have to win this game. And I think they can do it. They'll go up there and get it done. You excited for this game? I am. I am excited okay. for this Why? game. Look, I'm just excited, excited to get back. I'm excited for this game because um, I want to be able to see Utah build some consistency. Like, I, you know, I, I love what Sean Pittman's done there. I love the way they play. They really stretch the field. They have such a great dynamic um, attack, but they're also a very physical defense. And so watching them play against the Seattle team that's growing, I think it's going to be a good test for Utah. Like you said, they don't do very well away from home. And so, um, you know, I like seeing those sorts of coaching chat challenges. Um, you know, uh, Seattle have had some new players that they've brought in. So, you know, um, Ben Landry, um, Brad Tucker's back. Um, so, you know, I think the, the fullback position is going to be really interested. I thought JP Agrav did pretty well there in that, in that um, at fullback last week. So I'm excited to see him play there again. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm always excited to see these games. You know, the coach in me, for the, you know, when I'm calling these games, switches on and it's all, already I'm thinking about what I would do if I was a coach. Well, I'm excited to see what Rocky the Seawolf's going to do after the Panther drove a motorbike in between Mac Mason and the goalposts on the weekend. Will Rocky get on a jet ski with wheels and jet ski down the field and take out Mikey Teo? Yeah. Uh, who knows? These mascots, they're just crazy. We've got a Sasquatch type. Um, they are crazy. Sully from Monsters Inc. thing running around New England. You've got a Panther on a Harley Davidson. We've got a an orca who's a great guy we love we love rocky to see he's one of the one of the best he's the awesome OG. and you've got the dude in the speedos down in austin with the big hat who just runs onto the field pouring beer over himself <laughs> now, i think they said they've got an armadillo runs around down there now okay so and then uh who is scratch we've got scratch the saber cat king creole at nola i mean we should do we should do a mascot show Get we should do a mascot on. show we should That'd yeah we should do a mascot show that would be fun I feel like I'm forgetting one. Who else? Oh, I, stopped, I stopped listening to you a couple of minutes ago, so I'm not sure who you've Good. covered. All right. All right. Well, that wraps it up, Pete. Final thoughts. Final thoughts for the weekend's game. Oh, I mean, I mean, where's this? I mean, do they call it moving day? This feels like there's there's some moving day going on, especially on the east, right? And so um, we're in the must-win territory, but I mean, both on the east and the west. But now these games, we can look at the standings and, and these games – they're going to have real impacts on, on the teams that make, make the playoffs. So the pressure will, will begin to grow. Yes, it will. I'm excited. I get to sit home and watch. I'll make sure I, uh, I grab both your games. So, and I'll be taking notes on your analysis. I, sure I look forward to your text. Well, they're trying to distract me while I'm calling the game. <laughs> I will. I will. I'll make sure they're all in GIF form too. So I can hear you chuckle on mine when I send the right one through. Right. All right, that wraps up episode 92 for Pete Steinberg, our producer, Aaron Castro. I'm Dan Power. This has been the MLR Kickoff. Episode 92 of MLR Kickoff brought to you by shopmlr.com, powered by the Rugby Shop.